Welcome to the FTF Exchange Podcast. This is Maureen Lowe, founder and president of FTF. In this podcast series, we speak with industry professionals from leading financial and technology firms in capital markets. We will discuss an array of topics from current events to the latest fintech updates to human interest stories from time to time. Through these discussions, we strive to foster thought leadership and information sharing, and we certainly welcome comments and feedback for future episodes. Hello, I'm Eugene Grigo with FTF News, and this is an FTF Exchange podcast chat. Today, we are speaking with Henry Napier, a vice president with ICBC Financial Services, about the external and internal challenges impacting corporate actions processing at financial services firms. So first, Henry, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do at ICBC Financial Services? Sure, Eugene, thank you for having me today. Appreciate it. Uh, Very honored to be a part of this podcast. As Eugene mentioned, I am the Vice President of International and Domestic Corporate Actions at the ICBC Financial Services. We're a clearing firm that primarily uh, delves in the repo business. Uh, We're a fixed income and equity shop. Currently, we're working on an extensive project to convert over to the Broadridge platform. So we've been very busy with that. I've been working with ICBC for the past 10 years. I have been working in corporate actions since 1992. So some people ask me all the time, why do I continue to work in corporate actions? It's like a, you know, trying to ruin my own career here, but (laughs) I kind of like it. I enjoy the excitement of corporate actions and I enjoy working with many people like yourself. Uh, So it gives me an opportunity to do things like this. What areas of financial services regulation are causing new challenges for corporate actions processing? There's several. But one of the issues I feel that's causing a lot of issues is the complexity of today's deals. I've noticed an uptick in foreign offers that are involving not just agents and or banks, but it's involving government agencies. We have maybe not so experienced clerks that are communicating with these government officials that are requiring documentation that certain individuals would maybe have to have some compliance background. The turnaround for payment Uh, on an offer has been delayed because of the extensive requirements that these government agencies are requesting from us. So that is certainly a challenge that we're all dealing with today, working with the agents on perhaps maybe streamlining this process, hopefully somewhere in the near future. That'll be something that we can look at and, and put a more tight grip on. And how new is that problem? Probably in the last two to three years, I've noticed it. There was one deal The name uh, escapes me right now, but it was the cash tender deal. And there was an enormous amount of talk uh, within the industry regarding this deal because it wasn't just going to the agent to submit your instruction. You actually had to go to the Israeli government and deal with the ministry department to submit your client's instructions. They had to then come back to you to ask for the client personal information like driver's license, certificate of incumbencies, you know, all these legal documents that typically would not be required if the shares are in the beneficial name of the of the firm. But because of the complexity of these deals, that is what they're requiring. On to another problem. How has the pandemic inspired staff working remotely impacted corporate actions processing at banks and other firms? I don't believe it impacted the business flow in a negative sense at all. I truly believe that the level of comfort um, working from home in an environment that 
an individual may be more accustomed to working in, their level of comfort helps them do the job easier, quicker. I believe that it allows them to relax, absorb more of the information that these deals expect of you. Right now in, in the environment that we're working in, we have all the available resources at our disposal. You can get the internet anywhere in the world. So it's not like you're completely cut off. So I believe that working from home and dealing with, you know, not working in an office allows people to do their job without having the the office people coming over to you and, and interrupting you or interrupting the flow. So I think it helps get the job done better and quicker. <laughs> we are uh, in January 2021. How are firms dealing with what looks like will be uh, ongoing uncertainty for 2021? I don't believe anybody can predict what's going to happen in 2021, nonetheless going down further, because no one could have predicted what happened in 2020. We live in a, in a world today where technology is such a you know powerful force in, in our everyday lives that a virus would actually shut down or try to shut down the economy, but also shut down our day-to-day life. So that's something to me out of a movie that would never happen, but it happened. I believe firms like ICBC, we've been preparing for these types of events for years. We've dumped an enormous amount of resources into our IT group for these situations. We were asked not to come into the office uh, in March and our IT group was so well prepared for this situation that every single one of our employees from senior management all the way down to the processors had the ability to get their entire desktop on their laptops. If they didn't have a laptop, they were immediately able to obtain getting a laptop just by sending an email. We had couriers delivering uh, monitors, laptops, uh, fax machines, whatever you needed, the firm was on top of getting us this equipment. I think a lot of firms had the intention working remotely or allowing individuals to work, work remotely. So some people already had the head start on that. But for those that didn't, we've always done these uh, tests throughout the year, sort of back in the day when we would go to a disaster site. Now it's more changed. Don't go to a disaster site, log on from home. If you can do your day-to-day at home. So those tests certainly were very beneficial because when this thing happened, it happened quick. And mm-hmm. my firm, thankfully, we were well prepared and speaking to people in the industry, they were all on the same page. I think the IT departments uh, deserve a lot of credit uh, for what they've done, how they were you know, able to adapt so quickly and deal with every challenge that they were faced head on. You know, kudos to them. They did a great job. Right, because it's the implementation of the technology, right? It's not just Absolutely. the technology. You can't just dump the technology. You got to figure out how to use it. Exactly. So what are some areas that are ripe for standards? Uh, The first things that come to mind are custodial notifications and election options. Are there some other areas? I believe one of the challenges that's ripe is allocations. That's an area of uh, corporate actions or back office operations that seems to always get overlooked because people are excited that they got the money in. But what happens when that money comes in? That money is handled or is touched by multiple people. It's touched by the corporate action group. It's touched by the settlement team. It's touched by the FedOps team. It's touched by several people. 
We're in an environment today where we focus a lot of our time, energy, and resources on anti-money laundering. Certainly when firms take in millions of dollars from clients, counterparties, whomever, there's various ways to take in that money. You have SBOs, you have wires, claims, all these avenues of money coming in. It's a matter of control. At ICBC, we have uh, limits on individuals having the authority to go ahead and send out uh, money to the street. It has to be approved, authorized, et cetera. So I think allocations is a certainly a great area where you know standards could be imposed on it or more attention should be addressed to it. What do you think of third-party vendor partnership that target corporate actions processing? Speaking personally, I've always had great success dealing with third-party vendors. Some of my very good friends work on the vendor side. I've been able to develop great personal relationships with the majority of them. It's great to work with somebody who's on the other side. That way, your knowledge of the job or the business or whatever line you're working in, you can increase that tenfold by listening to what they're doing. Then they listen to what you're doing, and then your knowledge just becomes much greater. We need vendors because we certainly cannot absorb all the information that we acquire on a day-in, day-out basis without their assistance by eliminating some of the fluff that's in that data. Personally, in corporate actions, we work on time restraints. Uh, We have tough deadlines, so we don't have the luxury often where we can read all of the information. Some of it is just too time-consuming and it's not necessary. So without the vendor side to be able to scrub that data and give me the information that I need, the important information, I don't believe that we would get our job done. So I believe that having a relationship with your vendors or third-party vendors is a significant plus to your business growth. Mm -hmm. So what should banks and other financial services firms be doing to their IT infrastructures to optimize the usage of corporate actions data? Corporate action changes year in and year out. If you do not have a solid IT infrastructure at your bank or or firm, you're certainly going to be left behind. And going back to what I said earlier, where the complexity of these deals uh, involving government agencies and banks, you can certainly be left behind and certainly leave yourself exposed. One of the main factors of corporate action is to eliminate risk. And I think everybody on the street can can certainly uh, understand that. You want to do everything you can to eliminate risk. So having a strong IT infrastructure to read the data, to take in the data, to absorb the data is only beneficial to yourself. Having a strong IT infrastructure will help your group uh, grow. It'll help it expand. And most importantly, it'll stay focused on regulations that are constantly changing in today's environment. And now I've got just a short list of of things. I'll just throw them at you and, and get your reaction. The ISO 20022 messaging standard, there has been this ongoing push for applying it to corporate actions processing. What do you think of it? And where is it, in in your opinion, its progress? In my opinion, I believe DTC has done a phenomenal job of tightening up that area. They've certainly done their homework. They were able to get every firm involved in it. We just recently converted our files, our CCF files, we converted them over to the ISO uh, file format. A lot of testing went into that. Uh, And again, 
a strong IT department enabled us to seamlessly convert that over. I think DTC is way ahead of the game. They're thinking three steps ahead and ensuring that the information that's provided to their participants, both on an allocation level, both on an information level, is probably the best that I have ever seen it. You know, I don't know if I should mention, you know, Pat Bothall and the team, but they have certainly done a phenomenal job by engaging the industry, keeping us focused. There's like monthly meetings with the industry. You know, it's very easy to ask questions. I, I think they've done a great job as far as getting everyone involved and in, in making it a seamless uh, transition. Okay. Corporate actions and open source technologies such as IXBRL, have you experienced any of that, encountered any of that? From a higher level, I have. I haven't actually done any hands-on touching. I leave that all to my IT group. But in various meetings that I've had with my IT group, open source technology is the future. Okay, whether we like it or not, whether we, you know, are hesitant to change. And we all know some people, certain people don't like change, but that's the future. This is the way the industry is going. Either you accept or you don't. And if you don't, you're going to fail. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. The data that comes in is, it's fast. It's extremely fast. It's very complicated. You need the resources within your shop to read that data, to scrub that data, and to absorb the data. Because like I said, it's going to happen. It's happening. And it's only going to be the future. Mm -hmm. And then along those lines, there has been the emergence of cutting edge technologies such as artificial intelligence, machine learning, robotic process automation. Uh, Any thoughts about those? Um, Yeah, it all comes down to our end game, right? We all go to work and we do business every day for what? We do it for money. Money equals power and power equals growth. So you must embrace this sort of technology to grow, to keep your business on track, to keep your business competitive. For you to be competitive, you must accept these changes to to and be open to this technology you must be able to embrace it now granted it's very confusing it's very you know oh my god what are we what are we reading here it's very scary personally i don't want a computer to act as me because that's what this these computers are doing they're becoming so sophisticated that you know it's quite possible that a computer could be processing corporate actions and my job could be obsolete. It's, it's extremely possible. But on the flip side, it's myself that has to feed the computer this information, right? A computer can't think. So I have to be able to take in the data, learn it, absorb it, and feed the computer to the best that I can. Because at the end of the day, our end game is client satisfaction. What can we deliver to our clients that other shops are not? And if we expand our IT group and focus on artificial intelligence, machine learning, open source technology, and all that stuff, we're ahead of the game. We'll be able to grow and it's more beneficial for us. Okay. And then lastly, there has been talk about corporate actions data and how to process it for publicly traded instruments that are based upon cryptocurrencies. Is that something way off on the horizon or are you seeing it coming uh, toward your way pretty quickly? I think we see it coming very quickly. It was way off in the horizon a couple of years ago when we first heard the term cryptocurrency or blockchain. Those were terms that we were very unfamiliar with. But I think as some of the larger firms out there today, Goldman Sachs, IBM, Walmart, firms like that, Daimler, they're embracing blockchain as a way of doing business. 
Kodak a few years ago came out publicly saying that they were going to embrace blockchain and do a whole photo business thing on blockchain, uh, completely revolutionized the thinking on blockchain and cryptocurrencies. I don't believe that it's going to go away. I believe some firms may not embrace it. I mean, you're talking about a whole new set of regulations that are going to have to be implemented on how we deal with blockchain and cryptocurrency. But it's certainly here. Uh, look at what cryptocurrency is trading at. I think it's like $39,000, or something. That's uh, a lot of money to ignore if you choose mm -hmm. to. But yeah. um, I, I think it's going to have a huge impact uh, on the industry. And again, you got to have the resources readily available to you. You got to build a, a great foundation. And that foundation starts with a strong IT group that will enable you to take in that information and properly service your clients in the manner they expect. Okay, great. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the FTF Exchange podcast. If you would like a turn in the hot seat, reach out to us at info at ftfnews.com and let us know what capital markets topics you'd like to discuss. Also, be sure to sign up to receive our email alert so you don't miss out on listening to future episodes. Just visit ftfnews.com and click the sign up link at the top of the page. Thanks again for listening to the FTF Exchange podcast. <laughs>